okay. I just kind of kept kept going. We're almost to the yeah. end here. <laughs> um, Pete's Pete's gonna have fun stitching this one together. <laughs> he sure is. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen cinema and rom-coms. I am your co-host, Martha Sullivan, library manager and guinea pig wrangler, and I am here as always with my co-host. I'm Maren Hagman, um, adult services librarian and rom-com and romance novel enthusiast. And we are going to be talking today about the 2021 Netflix original, Amazon Studios original, this is not Netflix, uh, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Uh, I'm going to put a real fat spoiler warning at the top of this episode. This movie came out like 12 minutes ago, so if you would like to watch this movie uh, spoiler-free, now is your time to pause the podcast, go watch, and return when you have when you are ready to do so now that we are back marin would you like to give us a brief well first so the map of tiny perfect things um directed by ian samuels written by lev grossman also based on the short story by lev grossman starring katherine newton as margaret kyle allen as mark Jermaine Harris as Henry, Anna Mikami as Phoebe, Josh Hamilton as Daniel, Cleo Frazier as Emma, uh, and a bunch of other people who you only really see in passing, and I don't think I could name their characters if you uh, paid me money. (laughs) Maren, would you like to give us a brief brief synopsis of The Map of Tiny Perfect Things? Sure. Um, so the map of Tiny Perfect Things is about Mark and Margaret. Um, Mark is a teenager who has been reliving the same day, presumably for a long time, um, because he has intimate knowledge of all the things happening um, around his small town on this one day. And um, while preventing a girl at the local pool from being hit by a beach ball, he notices that another girl prevents the beach ball from hitting this girl before he does. Um, And so Mark suspects that she might be stuck in the same time loop. And it turns out she is. um, And her name is Margaret. And so the two realize that they are both stuck in this time loop together um, and get to know each other. Um, Margaret um, is you know, a little newer to the time loop, presumably. So one of the ways Mark kind of introduces her, shows her around, is he shows her all of these wonderful little moments um, that uh, he has noticed in the town throughout the day. He calls him, he calls them his, the tiny perfect things. Um, And sure enough, he has made the titular map of tiny perfect things. Um, Mark definitely starts to get feelings for Margaret as they are spending all this time together. Um, but she mysteriously seems to leave at six almost every day. Um, and, um, so they eventually, um, after going through various iterations of the same day together many times, uh, they decide that they are ready to try and get out of this time loop. They, catch a plane to Tokyo in the hope that going that crossing the international dateline will end the loop. Um Margaret leaves at the last minute. She she decides she wants to stay in the loop. Um and Mark wakes up in his bed reliving the same day. So their plan to fly to Tokyo did not work. Um Mark uh decides to to focus on um his family, um, and, uh, when he breaks his arm, um, he discovers that Margaret has been going to the hospital every day at six to, to see her mom who is dying of cancer. Um, then the story kind of shifts to Margaret as Margaret has to decide if she really wants to break this loop of knowing that this is going to be one of, if not the last day she will see her mom. Um, and that breaking the loop means she will have to 
watch her mom die. Um, so Margaret is deciding whether um she should should break this time loop. Um, she is someone who's very interested in, in science and math, and so she takes um Mark's map of the the tiny perfect things throughout the day, and she notices this three dimensional pattern, um, and realizes that um there is a piece missing in this pattern, which means um they are missing one of the tiny perfect things, which is at seven at the pool. Um. She goes there and finds Mark there, and it turns out the tiny perfect thing that was missing in the pattern is them kissing. Um, and then uh, she goes and says goodbye to her mom, um, and then she and Mark uh, watch the day turn past midnight, and it, it begins to rain, which they have never experienced before um, on this day because they have always looped back right at midnight before it starts to rain. Um, and then throughout this, they've been casually looking for a missing dog, and so they found the dog, and they return him on the next day, so it actually matters, uh, as they see it, and, uh, they restore the dog to the owners. Um, and that is the map of Tiny Perfect Things. Uh, the only thing that I, I would, con I would contend with is I... I think that we are to understand that Margaret has actually been in the loop for longer than Mark has. Oh, really? Okay. I I saw it as him kind of introducing her to the loop. Well, but remember, she's she knows that they're in the loop. She finds the she shows him the eagle catching the fish. Mm. So she's been finding moments too. I don't really think we know how long either of them ultimately. We don't. Doing this. We don't. And I guess to be fair, yeah, it was just based on my impression. Um, yeah, but yeah, similar to Palm Springs, we do not have a an actual sense, I guess. And I think the movie is positing that Margaret is the one who starts the time loop. Mm. Because I believe that the intention of the map is to show her. Like, is for her to build this picture of, like, all the ways that life is still really beautiful and random. And building that map is what allows her to finally let go of her mom and okay. decide to keep moving forward. Okay. I guess I didn't pick up on that. But there were a, a few scenes in the movie where... um Either I got interrupted or I had to turn the volume up. So I fully believe I could have I could have missed that. Yeah, at the very end when she's at the pool with Mark at the last okay um, thing, she talks about how like the doctor told her that um, you know her mom's time is here and she needs to get ready to say her goodbyes, and that she like didn't. You know, she she didn't think she'd had enough time, and that was kind of the start of the loop. I will tell you, this movie has a lot of my favorite Groundhog Day scenario tropes. Mm -hmm. It also has... I, I feel like you either get to concretely tell me why the time loop is happening, or I just don't want to know. I was not a fan of this kind of half-baked like pseudo psychological like I, I i did not feel like the movie was taking a firm enough stance on why they were trapped in a loop also why is mark there at all if it's all about margaret's like self-actualization didn't understand that part either yeah i mean i think that i mean i think what you're saying is like Groundhog's Day and Palm Springs are on two ends of a spectrum, right? Where, like, Groundhog's yes. Day, we never find out. Like, it's just the plot mechanism is the way with which we propel Bo Bill Murray's character's growth. Like, Correct. it is just a mechanism for character development. It is not ever explained. It's not ever... Like, there is no attempt to be like, ah, yes, this is the science of it. It's all about just the feelings and the character development. 
On the other hand, Palm Springs very heavily details, like, this is exactly what happened, and this is the science, and this is the weird thing going on in this cave, and if we blow it up, it will stop. Um, yeah, and yes, I, and sorry. both of those things I enjoy. Like, I like the we're just never going to know. And I also like the I earned a physics master's so <laughs> that I could figure out the time loop. Um, I wasn't a super huge fan of the like in between. However, as I said, this movie also did a lot of Groundhog Day things that I loved. Yeah. Um, I guess I should ask you first before we get too deep into it. Did you like this movie? Yeah, I thought it was very enjoyable. Um, I did too. Yeah, I was like pleasantly surprised. Like I, I knew it got pretty good reviews, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is probably going to be fun." But yeah, it was it was very fun. Um, but yes, I, I love the. I've been through this scene so many times, and now we get a filmed sequence that's like a choreographed dance moment. When the two of them are going through the kitchen and like catching the plates and the kitchen of the restaurant, I should say, and like catching the plates and sliding them out to be served. And the whole thing is very um, almost balletic. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And um, I, I think this movie makes very good use of a montage. I think they do their montage like early enough and like in depth enough that we get like a lot of those moments pretty early on so that it like works to go like the the structure works to shift from like first being about mark then being about their burgeoning relationship to them being about margaret yes um Um, yeah and i think i I think that's a well-placed montage i loved that it was not about Mark getting together with the girl from the pool. Yeah. I was very concerned that we, that it was going to, um, it was going to turn into like, how do we get her to like me? And it's like, nope, (laughs) that, that does not matter at all, actually. Which is funny because, uh, about time, which spoiler is definitely going to be the, the movie I, I recommend folks watch if they enjoy this about time does that, but it does it so well. Um, well, that- and that would have, that probably also would have been a fun movie. Like, I feel like there's a different version of this movie that's about Mark trying to get Margaret to help him like figure out how to get the attention of this other girl. And then in the course of that realizes that he has feelings for Margaret instead, but that was not this movie. And I was kind of glad that it wasn't this movie. Like yeah. this movie has bigger fish to fry. Well, and I like, cause I, I think the reason that it works in about time is that about time is less a rom-com than it is about Dama Gleason's character learning to appreciate life. So I think it works for him to have a, like, ooh, I'm gonna try to use time, like, time loop to, like, get the girl. And it doesn't work, because he, like, learns this life lesson. Rather than this, like, I think doing that in this, like, would have just distracted from their burgeoning relationship. Like, because this is so tightly about, like, first where Mark, introducing us to where Mark is at, having Mark meet Margaret seeing them bonding and then kind of laying out where Margaret is at and like what these barriers to their relationship we didn't know about are. Um, yeah, I think it's smart to, because it, it kind of does the opposite of Palm Street. Sorry, I feel like I'm being very referential in this episode. I'm just like doing like a blow by blow comparison to every time travel movie. Um, well, it's, I mean, it's kind of hard not to like, this this movie is not shy about pointing out that it's a Groundhog Day scenario, which does kind of force the comparison to every other Groundhog Day scenario movie like in existence. Right. And I, I think one interesting thing structurally this movie does compared to Palm Springs is Palm Springs really like the whole first of that half of that movie, or I shouldn't even say the first two thirds of that movie Andy Samberg and Kristen Milotti are in, like, almost every scene together. And then, like, two-thirds of the way in, their paths, like, radically diverge. And we, we don't really see them in a scene together again until the very end. Um, 
And and so I think this movie is very interesting in that it like starts focused on the one character, brings the other character in, shifts its focus to the second character. Um, but they're still, you know, both in it and together throughout it. Um, so I think it's interesting because, yeah, like, Palm Springs does this hard, like, we've built up this relationship and now these two characters are going to go off and one of them's going to get a master's degree in physics and the other is going to get shot with an arrow by J.K. Simmons. <laughs> and it's great. Um, did, still, did still love that Margaret kind of got to solve this time loop with science. Absolutely. And I, did I still enjoy that. And I, I like I liked the Chekhov's gun of like, oh, I'm not seeing a pattern. And immediately then I was like, oh, the pattern's gonna be in the map. Duh. <laughs> like um. It's just it's so weird because again, it's doing that is it's too deliberate, but then also like why? <laughs> I think it's something that works. I could see how this is something that would work more. I mean, for me, it mostly worked because I was like, yeah, sure. And wavy, like love. Great. Like love is the missing piece in this pattern and it clicks together. Woo. You know, like pattern is just such a deliberate word that it implies agency. And it's like, who did this? Right. Who is behind the pattern? Well, and um, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to mix, like, it's really supposed to be about Margaret's character development and the development of their relationship, but they threw in a little, like, scientific backing rather than just the Groundhog's Day pure, like, you're a better person! You get released from the time loop now! Go forth and sin no more! You know? Um. Yeah. And I can um, see how it does- works more in written form. Which does lead me to another Groundhog Day trope that this movie did that I loved. Um, I loved that Mark got a day where he's like, I'm just going to be a good brother and a good son and like go to my sister's soccer game. Like, I I really enjoyed that he got to have the I'm going to be a good person now and hopefully that is what unlocks the time loop yeah that was very sweet i really enjoyed his his relationship with his sister and i i really liked uh that his sister was like hey listen dude like dad dad's really going through it so stop being a dick yeah exactly so i i thought that was very sweet and like his realization of like oh she wins the soccer game if i'm here to cheer for her like i loved that so much oh so sweet because that was one of those it was such it was such a low-key moment but was also like every day is the same but you have the power to change things particularly in a good way it was it was a very the good place moment of we make each other better people Mm. by like working together at it i don't know i loved that very very much yeah yeah i thought that yeah i thought that was very sweet Uh, yeah i think that i think that really worked um yeah and were we did i not pick up on what happened to his mom she works um nights. I don't remember what Cause, she does. Cause is she the one in the car that he sees in the morning and like one day he makes a point of getting up early enough to go give a hug? I believe so, because yeah, he said that one of the major bum one of the biggest bummers of the time loop is that she doesn't get home until after midnight and oh. is gone before he wakes up. So okay. he hasn't really gotten to see her. Got it. Okay, that and she's same. working so much extra because their dad is out of work. Okay. And I will say, for sure, like, the first few minutes of this movie, I, like, and I did try to go back, but we, Pete and I just got a new TV, and so, trying to figure out the well, volume. la-dee-da. I know, right? New, I'm new TV. <laughs> uh, I, I should say, I knew used TV. Our, our friends kindly gave us their old TV when they upgraded, which was, which is much nicer than the one we had, so. Thank you to them. It's it's been very nice. Um and I'm very grateful that I have like 
in the course of Pete and my relationship, I, I distinctly remember me bringing a TV into our, our shared apartment was like, Pete was not like adamantly against it, but it was definitely a conversation of like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about having a TV. And now we have this like 42 inch TV. <laughs> What does Pete mean he doesn't know how he feels about having a TV? Well, he what? did Before I moved in together, he did not have a TV. Like, I'm pretty sure he didn't have a TV all through college. Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. I, I actually could not verify that. But he did not have a TV in Milwaukee. So for four years, until we moved in together. And his reaction to you bringing one was, oh, I don't know about that. He was, he was like worried that our whole living room it was very sweet actually he was worried that our whole living room would just focus around the tv which yup <laughs> like turns out we watch a lot of movies and tv <laughs> yeah because you're normal human i'm so mad at p right now <laughs> he was no that's not that's not fair i'm mad at what like 24 year old pete <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, it was pretty mild pushback. Like at no point was he like, it was just like a little like, oh, okay, I don't know how I feel about that. Like at no point was he like, no, we're not having. Like I don't want a TV in my house. The one, the one boundary he has firmly drawn that I have warned him, I will try to respect as long as I can, but may eventually wear down is having a TV in our bedroom. That oh no, like, I told Bill as soon as Bill and I move, we're becoming a two TV household. <laughs> Yeah. The he, thing is that sometimes I want to watch TV while he's watching TV. <laughs> See, and for me, this the thing is sometimes I want to watch TV in bed. Yeah, I don't think Bill will ever let me do that because I'm way too prone to falling asleep while I'm watching <laughs> stuff and that drives him crazy. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> none of this matters. <laughs> none of this matters. Pete, you can cut out as much of this as you want. Um. um but I yeah. will say, even though I'm still I'm still not sure I enjoy how the plot ends up, how it ends up being the fulcrum for the plot, I did really love their whole adventure to, like, find the little moments of perfection that just happened during the day that most people miss. I thought that was a delightful conceit. Oh, totally. And I think it... Um... Oh, and the sequence where he creates like the mock moon landing in the gym, I thought that was very precious. I was like, delightful. Oh, oh, a little bit. Like, I don't often have like an actual, like, oh, you're giving me little like heart flutters in, in our, <laughs> in like a team movie. And this, I was like, heart flutters. Ah! Yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was adorable. Um, still not convinced even a whole art class could create that whole thing in less than a day, but you know, whatever, whatever. Right. I mean, maybe like multiple sections. Like if he got like a solid, like 30 kids, I think. But anyway. Yeah, no, that, that's one that I'm not going to argue too hard over it. Like that was just very cute and I'm happy to let it just be very cute. It was very cute. Um. Yeah, and I, I really think this movie really, like, just structurally does a great job of, like, very strategic montage pretty early on. Um, and then we really get to see, like, Mark's feelings for Margaret ratchet up. I will say, I do think that Kyle Allen is a little bit out of his depth here compared to Catherine Newton. I think... Catherine Newton is a movie star... Um, I love her. She was in Detective Pikachu. She's fantastic. Wait, have we talked about blockers yet? I mean, I know we've uh, talked about blockers, but only like only in so watched- far as I have not seen it yet. Oh, Martha, I need you to see blockers. I, need I know. You. I, I know. Need you it's to a see great, it so badly. <laughs> it's a great personal failing of mine. Um, but like I said, Catherine Newton in Detective Pikachu. <laughs> she's incredible. She's great. She's great in Detective Pikachu. She's she is awesome in Blockers. She's so sweet in Blockers. She plays um a uh, very high strung Leslie Mann's daughter. Oh, Fabulous. It's so, it's so good. Um But yeah, Kyle Kyle Mann is Al- Allen? Kyle Allen. Uh you just said Leslie Mann, so that's why my oh, brain was yep. there. Makes yeah, sense. he's a little too He's a little too generic in this, I think. 
He reminded um, me so hard of, and the, sorry, this is a very esoteric reference. Um, but especially for any Bridgerton fans, I would highly recommend watching W1A on Netflix, um, which is basically what if The Office, but set at the BBC. Um, Fantastic. It's so good. Um, and it, the, the bad guy is actually Anthony Bridgerton. <laughs> um, oh, no. Which he's actually he's so charismatic, even as the bad guy. Um, and the main character is actually a delightful Hugh Bonneville. Like, all of our favorite Downton Dad, Hugh Bonneville. Um, but uh, there's a character on there named Will who has the exact same haircut as Kyle Allen in this movie. Um, and, and he just constantly is like, oh, yeah, whatever. Oh, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, he just, he and just I just kept thinking me. about that. Yeah, he's just, he's like every... Every white brunette actor between the ages of, like, 16 and 22. Exactly. Um, and I think part of that is just because next to him, Catherine, uh, Catherine Newton is, like, radioactive. Right. She's just, like, a moten out of every pore. I will say one of the things that I kind of enjoyed was the fact that these two, even though they're not really aging, they are still going through time. I was much more willing to believe that like teens talk this way when you think about the fact that they may not actually technically be teens anymore, like depending on how long they've been trapped in the time loop, like they may right. have experienced many many years worth of these days right so like when she gets very philosophical about the horrors of aging i buy it more than i would out of a typical like 17 year old because it's like oh you you have the wisdom and experience of somebody who is no longer 17 right and i i think they do a good job conveying that the same way that andy samberg does in palm springs and i i've read interviews yes. where he has said his guess is that his character has been trapped for 40 years and mm -hmm. i read that after the first time i watched it but but i i mean let's be honest i probably watched palm springs like five times now um <laughs> to the point where it is becoming a joke with Pete. he's just like Oh, do you want to watch Palm Springs? It's like Palm Springs and yesterday. It's like, ah, oh, yes, I will drop anything and watch either of those movies at any time. Would um, you like to know what would you like to know what those movies are for me right now? Yes, please. Knives Out and Ready or Not. Oh, interesting. Now, actually, the the Knives Out does not surprise me, but the Ready or Not kind of surprises me. I loved that movie. One of my top of 2019. I thought it was incredible. Nice. Um, but yeah, just I just I love I love hearing what people's like background or comfort food movies are. Like it tells you so much um to hear about somebody's like this is what I just put on for funsies. Oh yeah. Anyway, and, sorry. Um now but that I've derailed everything. <laughs> No, that was a good that was a good diversion. Um, much like the time loop here, we're just going through loops of conversation. It's great. It's reflective of the movie. Um but That's yeah. Deep. <laughs> thank you. Uh but yeah, Andy Sandberg, after I heard him say that, uh yes, I envisioned my character like it's never explicitly said, but I envisioned my character having spent like at least forty years in there. I when I watch it now, I I really pick up on that and I pick up on just how much like Andy Samberg does a good job of being like, this is someone who has aged like he looks like yes. he's in his 30s, but he has aged. Yes. Um, um, it was one of those things that made me wish that Love Wedding Repeat had actually been a Groundhog Day scenario movie. Mm. I thought that many of those characters would have benefited from the hindsight that comes from reliving your mistakes over and over again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they, but they I thought, needed to I thought that, that I thought that that experience was reflected very well um, by Newton less so 
than by Mark, which I think was another reason why I felt like he had not been trapped in the loop as long as she had. Okay. He didn't have quite as much world weariness as uh, Newton did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I can see that. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I also think this movie... So I was very excited when the credits rolled and I saw... Or I don't know how to pronounce her name. Georgia Fox. I think it's I think it's pronounced Georgia. Um but for all of you fellow West Wing diehards out there, um she has a very long recurring um guest feature in the first season of the West Wing and, and then she starred for years and years on CSI. Um but does not seem to do as much anymore. So I was very excited. When Who I does saw- she play on the West Wing? Uh, she plays a um, secret service agent who is tasked with keeping Zoe safe after Zoe gets threats. So she goes to Georgetown with Zoe. Um, and we see kind of the events of the first season finale with the shooting um, through her perspective. And I think okay. she, yeah, I think she's on the first couple episodes of season two as well um, as that storyline wraps up. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just always excited to see her in things. Um, and I wish the movie had done a little more with her. Um, although I thought, you know, it was a very affecting scene that we, sorry, she, I probably should have led with this. She plays with, she plays, um, Margaret's mom, um, who is dying. Um, and, um, yeah, and they have a lovely little scene together. But, I don't know. I just want Georgia Fox to be in more things. I will say, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, the movie kind of toys with you at the beginning, making you think that Margaret is leaving at the same time every day to go hook up with some like 19-year-old med student. Super glad that wasn't true. <laughs> that would have been upsetting. Yep. Um, no, it's really heartbreaking. And I I loved that this movie ended up being more about um, Mark and Margaret's family connections than it really was about their romantic connection. Like their, their romance and making out at the pool ends up being kind of the key that unlocks the time loop. But it, the movie's focus is way more about how the two of them are relating um to the problems that they are facing in their home. Um, I would have liked to have gotten more. I agree. I would have liked to have gotten more scenes with Margaret and her mom. Cause I think we get way more of the development between Mark's relationship with his dad, who keeps trying to talk to him about his future. And Mark's like, no F you, I don't have a future. Um, so we get to see that conversation kind of grow and develop in a way that we don't, we don't get to see as much of um, Margaret's trips to the hospital. Like we just kind of, once we, we get the realization with Mark um, and then a few end bits. Um, but I would have liked to have seen, cause I find it hard to imagine that Margaret has the same conversation with her mother every day. Right. And I would have loved to have seen how that evolves as Margaret gets closer to accepting the fact that her mom's about to die. Yeah, and like the early iterations of her being like, oh, well, it's okay. Like, I'll wake up tomorrow and it will still be today and you'll still be here. Um, to, you know, her accepting. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I feel like Margaret's mom would have had a lot to say about that. Like, oh, honey, you can't, you can't trap yourself for my sake. Like, that, that feels, I feel like her mom would have been very much on the side of, you need to let me go so that you can keep on going. Right. Yeah, and I, I am sad that we, we don't get to see that conversation. And I think, too... We could have had a moment similar to one one of the scenes I love the most in Palm Springs is at the very end, the last loop 
Um, Kristen Milati's character decides that she's going to do the day one more time and just everything's going to go smoothly and her sister is just going to have this beautiful wedding um, and then she's going to go try the blow up thing. Um, and I, I do really like that, like, all right, like, I've accepted the best way that this day can be. Um, and I think one of the reason that, reasons that moment hits is because we've gotten to see, you know, those emotional beats when they go wrong. Um, so I, I think that this movie could have done something similar with, like, having more conversations with, with Margaret and her mom, um, that do not go you know, that go through many iterations before she, because we, we see Margaret accept the truth, but we don't really see, I mean, we only see the finished product of, like, this is how she actually says goodbye, versus, like, here are all the times she's tried to say goodbye, or tried to be, or, like, refused to say goodbye. On the other hand, I'm thinking about that, and I'm pretty sure that that montage would have just destroyed me emotionally, mm-hmm. like eviscerated me down to brass tacks. So <laughs> I, I don't know that I could have handled that. Um, yeah, that would have been like, what's that movie with Zoe Deutsch where just like everyone dies? It's a similar time loop movie, but just like everyone dies. I think it's called Before I Fall. Like, it's like somebody has to die that day. So it's like a time loop, but each time somebody dies. <laughs> Very dark. I, I don't remember that movie fondly. Uh, I would like to talk about Margaret's fashion choices for a moment. Um, very specifically, I would like to talk about her choice to wear tights to a swimming pool. I had the same feet thought. in the water. Margaret. <laughs> Margaret. I love that it's supposed to be summer break and neither of these children dresses like it's summer. Where where is this movie taking place? Um Yeah, that is interesting. We are never given any like clues or information about where exactly they are. It is just like they, generic town USA. They have to be close to an airport. True. Because they have to be close to a major airport because they are able without any planning to hop on a plane to Tokyo. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, those yeah, I just though. It was so weird to be told that it's like the summer and to have almost everything about this movie be the complete opposite of summer. Right. Well, and I also had a moment similar to, I think, our last, our Moxie episode where the very last scene um, Margaret is wearing very wide leg jeans and platforms in the rain. And I just was like, Gen Z, this is why we, this is why we stick with the skinny jeans, my friend. So like, wolf. The movie did like the, the fashion and the visual design of the movie, um, did feel very timeless though, or like True. unstuck in time. Like her fashion choices were very nineties. Um, marks were sort of generic, like early aughts. I was just thinking, are we bringing Bermuda shorts back? Is like Bermuda short, are Bermuda shorts back again? Like, is that a thing that's happening? I don't know. It did make me wonder. I, I'm not smart enough about music to be able to dissect the music choices, but it made me wonder if there were specific choices happening here to like, very pointedly not give you a specific time and place reference. Mm. <sighs> that could like be. If I, if I as a viewer am not supposed to be able to place this movie in a specific time or place. Mm. Yeah. I, I could see that. Even the video game that Mark and his friend uh, Henry? Uh, yeah, I think Henry. Yeah, Mark and his friend Henry are playing is like every Call of Duty slash Space Marine game without really being any of them. I think it's called Warfight, I think <laughs> is the name of that video game. Um, but yeah, there were so there were not very many specifics in this movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think it is meant to be deliberately ambiguous. 
What did we think about the things that the two of them do like every day? Like Mark apparently draws that whole map every day. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy the little montage of him putting her phone number in his phone every morning. No. Because he has to, because it won't stay. He has to re-remember it every time he wakes up. Yeah, I thought that was very cute. Um, yeah, I think they picked some some great little moments. Like, I I really enjoyed the, like, keeping a dude from getting shat on by a bird and listening to uh, a person stop their work um, cleaning a building and, and stop at this piano and play. To play the piano. I thought that was so sweet. That was very sweet. Um, what were some of the other ones? There was the bird thing. Um, My favorite, I really liked the turtle. Oh, the turtle was so cute. Uh, the whole yeah, town... traffic traffic gets stopped so that an old man can film a turtle crossing the road. Yeah, that was super cute. Um, yeah, I thought they, I thought they made some really good choices of like, yeah, these are just, you know, normal things that happen around you, but like. Maybe if they don't happen to, you know, I feel like we each have, we each have days where things like that happen to us, right? Where it's like, oh, wow, this cool thing happened to me today. Yeah, like we're all, we're all in the right place at the right time for something. Exactly. Um, And, and getting to see like a whole town's worth of some things. Yeah, it's kind of remarkable that all of those things happen on the same day, but then you think about how, like, that must be true all the time. Like, Margaret at one point tells him how many people die every day, and then also how many people have birthdays every day. And, like, those things are pretty miraculous, even if we don't necessarily think of them that way. Yeah, and I, I think that's exactly what the, the movie is saying. Um Oh, for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it's very much... And I, I think they pick good examples to illustrate that. I just wish I knew why Mark was in that dang time. I know, right? <laughs> it's because they're meant to fall in love, Martha. It's because they're meant to fall. I mean... I think that is what the movie is positing. Like, if their first kiss is on their map, like, that's part of the the big picture plan. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, the explanation was both too specific and then also not specific enough. But love, Martha. But love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Magical um, making out. Any other any other things we want to talk about in the map of tiny perfect things? Yeah, I think we covered. I think we 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 covered. Any think... fixes we would make to this movie? Yeah, I mean, I think as we discussed, I would I would give the mom a little more to do. Um, not necessarily long, but I think. I think giving her a little more character would, would add a little weight. How about you? Give me a better or give me no explanation <laughs> for the time. I'm sorry. I'm really stuck <laughs> on it because it's like, is the power of your, ind like, is the power of your self-actualization so strong that it stops time for you to get there? <laughs> like, I think this is an uncanny valley for you. It's like, too full for too fully formed for you to buy in, but not fully formed enough for you to actually believe it. Correct. And it needs to be there for the whole conceit of the movie. So I guess I don't know, maybe a postscript on how Margaret went on and, and found like life on Mars. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, don't want more explanation, but I also do. 
It's your own candy yeah, valley. Got, yeah, I gotta get off this particular. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have made Henry more a part of the story somehow, I think. I really liked Henry, and I don't think we got enough of him. Yeah, um, he was just kind of there to listen to what Mark and Margaret were doing. Like, he didn't really have anything of his own. And I really liked him in that role. Like, I thought that whenever he was on screen as their sounding board, um, I found that very enjoyable. Just, he then becomes a character that only exists to listen to the problems of other people. And that was kind of a bummer. Right. Right. I think it would have been wild if we'd found out that somehow Mark's dad is the cause of the time loop. <laughs> it's like, I just need time to stop so I can finish my novel. <laughs> but his novel, or, like, his novel would get erased each day. Like, he would, he would work on it a little bit, but then it would get, like, he would have to rewrite it. That would be a nightmare, actually. Like, legit nightmare scenario. Yeah. What would you recommend that our readers or listeners, ha ha ha, that our listeners check out after they are done with A Map of Tiny Perfect Things? All right. Well, as I've already alluded to, I am going to suggest the 2013 um, film About Time. And I am honestly not sure if I've suggested this on this podcast before. I may have suggested it on our Palm Springs episode, but I'm going to suggest it again because it's very good. And not enough people have watched it. And people should watch About Time, um, which is about Tim, played by Donald Gleason, who on his 21st birthday is told that all the men in his family can time travel. All he has to do is go stand in a closet, clench his fists, and visualize the memory that he wants to go back to. Um, and so the movie sees Tim kind of using his time travel to, uh, to, to have his life unfold. In, the, in first the ways that he thinks he wants, um, and then in the ways he actually needs. Um, and while it is purportedly kind of a rom-com, um, and there are there are some cute romantic comedy moments with Dama Gleason and and his eventual wife, um, played by Rachel McAdams. Um, it's really a movie about family and father son relationships, um, and it's written by uh, Richard Curtis, for whom I understand for many people your viol- your mileage may vary, but I am a I am a Richard Curtis stan. I I find his brand of earnestness compelling um and i i think it is an underappreciated film so i would recommend everyone go watch about time uh i unfortunately also have a recommendation that was mentioned earlier in this podcast (laughs) uh i'm gonna recommend before i fall by lauren oliver Uh, Lauren Oliver, or Before I Fall, is a YA novel about Sam, who goes to a party on February 12th, dies in a car crash, and wakes up the morning of February 12th, and continues to relive the same day over and over and over again um, as she tries to not die. Um, And it's about how she learns... um, gets to learn more about her friends and her family and the secrets everybody is keeping that kind of lead up to this crash uh, and how she eventually uh, breaks her time loop. Um, I'm going to give a bonus recommendation just because we had two that we both spoiled for everybody (laughs) during the episode. Uh, Watch Happy Death Day, which is a movie that is way better than it has any right to be. It is about a sorority girl tree who wakes up on her birthday and by the end of the day is killed by a serial killer, um, wakes up the next morning on her birthday and has to figure out who's killing her so she can, you know, stop being killed. Um, It's very funny. It is very clever. uh, And it lasts just about, it is just about the perfect length. Um, it gets out right before I think the conceit could start to drag on a little bit too long. 
So bonus recommendation that we did not talk about earlier in the podcast. Uh, and just a, a couple of very clever uh, Groundhog Day scenario usages there. Marin. Would you like to tell us what we're watching for our next episode? Ah, uh, yes. For our next episode, we are continuing our theme of, of time manipulation uh, movies. And we are going to be watching When We First Met, um, which is a rom-com on Netflix um, from 2018 that also deals with multiple timelines. Um, so we, we are just continuing this theme here. Um, so yeah, it stars Adam Devine and Alexandria Daddario. Um, and Robbie Amell. Yeah, we are all trapped in our own flat circle of time. So let's watch movies that show people <laughs> breaking free of them. There we go. That is going to do it for our episode tonight. Uh, if you enjoyed this and want to hear more while you wait for our next episode, check out our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework?, which releases on the same feed on alternating Wednesdays uh, and features Pete and I talking about uh, various pieces of media that we make each other experience for the first time. Um, you can follow us on social media on all the places on our shared feed at DYDYH Podcast. Uh, including on Facebook. Um, you can follow me personally on social media at Magical Martha on all the places. Uh, Marin, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, folks can find me on Twitter at A underscore star underscore danced, where I pretty much exclusively tweet about Bridgerton and romance novels these days. Um, so if that interests you at all, feel free to give me a follow. Uh, you can also uh, read my newsletter, which I write at tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha. Uh, I publish it whenever I feel like it. I think my next uh, issue is probably going to be my ranking of this year's Oscar-nominated Best Picture films. So I'm Ooh. working on that as soon as I finish watching those. Anything else that we've forgotten to plug? I just assume at this point that Pete will fill in uh, in post-production, anything that I've forgotten to say. Yeah, well, and hey, the spoiler alert is there, so... Yes, yes, yes. it is. You did great. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. We will see you in a couple of weeks, and until then, just remember that we love ya. Hooray! We did it! We did it, and my internet held the whole time. I know. I, like, didn't want to say anything because I was afraid um, that it was going to jinx it. But, like, once it was, like, five or ten minutes in, I was like, oh, well, maybe. Oh, maybe.